Welcome to the latest edition of the Shukri Rights Podcast with your host, Shukri Rights. Today, I am joined by now a colleague of mine for Causeway Crowd as part of Ansided, Bruins writer and contributor, Kaylee Allard, who joins the podcast today. Good morning on this post-mortem first weekend post-Boston Bruins hockey. How are you doing? Good morning. Thank you for having me and welcome to Causeway. I'm really excited that you're joining us. I'm super excited to see that you joined. I was like, oh my gosh, we're just getting even bigger and better. But um, yes, I am. I'm a little sad. I kind of, it kind of doesn't feel real yet. Like I feel like I'm still supposed to watch them play tonight Mm -hmm. and I should have been watching game seven last night, but the the zoom that they did yesterday kind of made me feel a little better I got some closure on like how they're all feeling about everything so I'm feeling okay I just kind of have to come to terms with it a little bit more how about you I'm still in the grieving stages angry although I allowed myself not to explode on Twitter emotionally I am still very much um, disappointed I have a lot of feelings about this that I'm that I will, in fact, not only navigate, but also explore through this podcast. And I am just I'm like annoyed with this team right now. And why do I choose annoyed? Because my number one sticking point, I want to start with this particular point is Bruce Cassidy. I've really grown to really like Bruce Cassidy as a head coach. Still do. Although I am really upset over his decision to start to harass in game six. You knew that this man was not healthy. He did not look well in game five. And I, I was at the game for game five. I watched him, especially in that first period where he did not look good moving um, post to post. But yet, Bruce Cassidy decided that he was going to start to harass in that in that crucial game six, which was the do or die game. Why on earth did you decide to start a guy that you knew was not well to prove a point to who? You can't let your decision be swayed based on the feelings of your locker room. There's got to be a limit. Yes, you take you take stock into what your locker room is telling you. But you don't let that determine your final decision. So, Katie, I'll ask you, thoughts on the decision by Bruce Cassidy to start Tukaras in that game six? Do you think it was the right or the wrong decision and why? So, if anyone knows me, they know I'm the biggest Tuka fan ever. Um mm. However, I even trying to look at this from an unbiased standpoint, I still feel like it was the right decision because I do not think it would have been any different had Jeremy Swayman been in net. Now, if it was Halak, then I would have said start Halak. And I'm not saying Swayman's a bad goalie. I'm not saying he was not confident. I'm not saying I don't want him ever to play. I, I think he's great. I think he's the future. I think we're super lucky to have him as the next up and comer, but sometimes a goalie's mindset and experience can be everything. And while no, they did not win the game. I can't even imagine 
how Swayman would have done behind that atrocious defense and the offense did not show up either. I mean, game six, the only guy that shows up is Marshan to score two goals and the Mm -hmm. Islander scores six. You do not win games that way. And I mean, I could be totally wrong. Maybe Swayman would have came in and got a shutout and forced a game seven, but looking at, at Bruce Cassidy's standpoint, I feel like if he started Swayman, he would be a laughing stock regardless. And it's just, it, he just has so little experience. And yeah. I know Swayman has to get that experience, but he has to get it in the beginning of the season when the games aren't do or die. Mm. So that's the only reason why I was okay with Tuka going in. I mean, he did not look good. He's hurt. He needs surgery. It's very unfortunate, but you're not going to go very far with an injured Tuca and you're not going to go very far with rookie Swayman either. So I feel like it was a lose-lose situation. Here's the thing with Swayman. I, I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't have expected for him to enter the game and suddenly be like, Hey, he's, he's here. He is. He's Marty Brodeur to the rescue. Like, no, but, my issue is, and, and I'm going to take the unbiased approach as well. We know what the narrative is in Boston, especially for Bruin fans. Tuka cannot come through when the team needs him the most. That's been the narrative about him for the last nearly a decade now. I could sit here and run through receipts like 2010. How did that work? Dud. 2013 Stanley Cup final two goals in 17 seconds dud 2016 the last game of the of the regular season against Ottawa you get sick dud 2019 I don't blame him that 2019 Stanley Cup final was not on him however the rest of the team dud 2020, 2020, actually, can't can't skip that. You go to Toronto, you leave. You knew that there was something wrong by all by the reports have indicated that there was a situation going on with his kid before he left for the bubble. And you still chose to go to the bubble instead. Instead of staying back. So the criticism that came after was warranted. Sorry if it makes me look like a complete douche, but but it was warranted in that regard. 2021, in this case, you're not 100%. Torn labrum. Okay, we knew that we knew that there was something wrong, but fans didn't know exactly what. And by and large part on the morning of game six, fans were saying, well, hmm, they probably should not start Tuka in this game. He does not look right. And I was echoing the same sentiments on Twitter. They still start him. So my response was, if if Tuka starts, I don't want to hear a thing about injuries. You're out there. You're expected to perform. Is Do you think it's fair for the Boston media, and you know how brutally harsh the Boston media can be, for, for them to to coddle Tuka Rask and kind of protect him in a sense from, from, from like the unwarranted criticism. And in this case, fair criticism that's, that is 
sure to come his way this offseason as to whether the Bruins should move on from Tuka Rask or not. Your thoughts? So the media has always been way too overly harsh with him mm-hmm. just because I don't think I don't think people realize how lucky we are to have him. Like, yes, there have been some questionable incidents in the past where it's like, okay, are you really sick? Are you quitting on your team? Honestly, we'll never know. Like mm-hmm. no one's ever, Bergeron isn't going to come out and say, oh, by the way, Tuga wasn't sick. He quit on us. Exactly. Um, so it's, like I always use Tristan Jari as an example on the Penguins. He is one of the worst goaltenders I have ever seen. And <laughs> if you, he truly is. If you watched him in the Islander series, he could not stop a beach ball. Like yeah. I like watching him. I was like, what is he doing? Like, this is like Penguins fans cannot stand him. And that's their starter. Remember, like, remember game five against the Islanders that that game winning goal he allowed. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. How can I forget that? And I'm not I don't even think a anyone, fan. I don't think anyone can, but well, please continue. <laughs> it's like ingrained in your brain. But like, mm-hmm. when you look back on that, like I, for me, like there's no moments that Tuca had really bad, like upsets like that, except for maybe you can argue 2013, the mm-hmm. two goals in 17 seconds, which again, you also have to look at the defense no defense was able to stop. I forget who scored those two goals. I think it was Brian Bickle and someone it, it else. Was, it, was, it was David Ballin. Oh, David yes. Ballin as well, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it back, and I think it was Andrew Ferentz and Chara, and you look at them, and they're not even they're not even trying to get in front. They're, like, off to the side. They're chasing. It's like, yeah. okay, like, Tuka definitely should have had it, but so should, like – to me, the goaltender is like the last resort. Yes, they're supposed to be on it, but mm. the defense's job is to keep them from getting to the goalie easily, if that Correct. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you just have to break it down that way. And yeah. I just feel it like we would not be where we are without Tuco. Like, yes, we haven't won a cup in a decade. We won it with Tim Thomas. He put on one of the greatest performances anyone has ever seen in the mm. final, and I'll give it to him. But other than that, what did Tim Thomas really do for the team? Yes, he he won that cup, but Tuca has taken us there two more times. You know, I think the Bruins only missed the playoffs in 2015, 15, was it? 15 or, and 16. 20, yes. Because remember those two. Damn, Kelly. <laughs> damn. Damn. <laughs> like you talk about pouring kerosene onto what I, I already feel sour as is. To now, and it was turning into a, a growing inferno. Like, now we have to relive what happened in 2014-15, in which that was the final season of Peter Chiarelli's tenure as GM. Screw him. I really want to curse him out right about now. In which that the Bruins, they were up. They had a, a playoff, playoff spot secured in March of that year. And they blew it. Literally blew it down the stretch. 2015-2016, same thing. Had a playoff spot secured in March. Blew it down the stretch. Played poorly. So those seasons were the byproduct of back-to-back league season collapses in which the Bruins, I don't know, even if they made the playoffs, they would have been good enough to actually have done any sort of sustainable damage in the postseason. I, 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 don't, I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> Deep breaths. It's all good. It's in the past. <laughs> we can just let it go. Let it go. You know, you know, it doesn't take much to to ignite the the fire of a Bruin fans, but especially yes. like where it's only what now almost three days removed mm-hmm. since since the elimination, and I I just you ever wake up in the morning and you just feel like. <sighs> what the hell do I do with myself today? Oh yeah. That's how I felt the day after. I didn't want to talk to anyone. That's how, that's how I felt yesterday. That's how I felt Mm. this morning. I mean, don't get me wrong. You chose violence. I I chose well so far, so far (laughs) I've chose peace at least with you because like, thank you. you're, You're very welcome. But gosh, Twitter, Twitter pisses me off sometimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to maintain a level of composure, but damn, damn, like, I, ah, oh, man, listen, listen, listen. I'm, I'm just gonna get this off my chest now. I swear to God, if Don Tweeney goes on and pulls some second tier trade that does very little to improve the team, I'm snapping. I'm collectively snapping as a whole. Like, if you thought that that video that I did post game five w- was epic in its own right, mm-hmm. I swear the world hasn't seen anything yet. <laughs> I, I'm i going to go with Don Sweeney right now because Don Sweeney has a massive offseason for the Boston mm-hmm. Bruins. They are at a crossroads. Rass is going to be an unrestricted free agent. So is David Krejci. So is Taylor Hall. I mean, and as well as Nick Ritchie, I believe he's going to be an RFA or UFA, but I don't remember um, which one specifically. So if you're Don Sweeney, and we all know that they need to seriously revamp this entire blue line with the exception of Charlie McAvoy, and I'll even give Matt Grizzick a pass, although he played like complete shit in game, in game six, being on the ice for two of those four goals that the Islanders scored five on five. So... Mm-hmm. He's not, he's not escaping the wrath that's coming right now, that's coming shortly. So my question to you is, if you are Don Sweeney, who are you looking to either sign or make a trade for starting when free agency begins in mid-July? So, like you said, I think the priorities are Krejci, hopefully, Taylor Hall, Tuka. I know you're not his biggest fan, but don't hate him, but God, he, he makes me so angry. <laughs> I understand. I, I, I can respect it. At least yeah. you're not a, a hater, a Tuka no, no. hater. There's a difference. There's a, you're just a critic. You're, you just expect Thank a you. lot out of yes. your team. Thank you. You, I, you I understand. understand. Thank yes. You. Yes. And this is coming from the president of the Tuka fan club. So <laughs> you're, you're off the hook. <laughs> you're off the hook. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just Fair, saying. I'll, I'll give you that, but come, oh my god! Oh my god! All right, god, we we god, won't god. get into too good. No, 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 no. It's it's my it's my overall emotions. It's just talking about this team. Like it, it makes me it makes me so fired up. But I'm but I am so effing mad over the series. Like you're up two to one. Like how did it fall apart so fast? Can someone explain to me? What went wrong with this team? Like, is that hard? Is that hard to actually do? I'm not yelling at you, Kaylee. Please do not take it as such. 
I know. I, I'm, I'm really not. But so I'm let it out. Let my it chest, out. like, why is this team out to play golf instead of playing in the semifinals? It's beyond me. Please, can someone explain that to me? I mean, gosh. I. It's just embarrassing because, okay, like I said, Krejci, Hall, and Tuka yeah. need to come back. That trifecta needs to please, stay. Pretty please. That is like the crucial move right now. But also, like you said, the defense, <laughs> you cannot rely on just McAvoy or yeah. Grizzlick. Carlo injured, Kevin Miller injured, Kevin Miller signing blows my mind and not in a good way you sign <laughs> you sign a guy Don't who is made of glass sense. he is made of glass fiberglass great, great guy i'm fiberglass. sure yes yes he has glass for bones and paper skin like <laughs> I, i'm sorry I, it's true like <laughs> i just i can't understand <laughs> The logic you, if you want a, all right, Kevin Miller is a big body. He's mm. tough. He's not afraid at the, to block shots at the blue line. He's not afraid to get in people's faces or get in front, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. you, I don't know what your feelings about this, but that's how Zidane Chara was. Chara. He's old. Okay. Yes. He, he was durable. Still, Thank you. He was still durable. Like he goes to Washington and averages damn near 19 minutes per night, like on, as a third pairing defenseman. Like, thank you. For the Bruin fans who are uh, uh, rant, another rant, Kelly. I'm sorry. But for you Bruin fans out there who wanted Chara gone, I got this message for you. You Tell got them. what you wanted. And guess what? Now that Carlo was injured. Kevin Miller was injured, and I go on Twitter and I say that you really could have used Chara in this series. Your response is, well, if both of those guys were healthy, we wouldn't have this conversation. Shut up! You hated on him because he was getting old, but yet turned out to be a still pretty serviceable defenseman as we saw in this series against the Capitals. Like, get your head out of your ass! Like, Thank you. Are, are we going to sit here and base his performance based on age? Like, are you kidding me? Like, gosh. Like, oh, my God. Oh we my God. we still would have had Chara and McAvoy playing on defense. And then we would have also had Grizzly and Carlo. Those were are arguably the top four in defense, right? right? That's a solid freaking defense, okay? Like, we didn't get any use out of Kevin Miller. I mean, it's not really the guy's fault, but mm-hmm. Don Sweeney said, you know what? This guy's always injured. Let's sign him. And what happens in the playoffs? He's injured. Again. And you're relying on McAvoy can't do it all. Grizzly can't do it all. Like, yeah, you expect them to step up. And McAvoy, bless his heart, I absolutely love him. He should be a Norris finalist, but mm-hmm. we won't even talk about that because that pissed me off too. Oh, we're going to talk about it now that I know that. <laughs> oh, God. You're trying to get me going too. Exactly. I was all calm. I, I, I was all calm, and now Kaylee, you got me like fired up. I refuse up. to be alone in this dance. Uh, if we're going to dance, we're going to dance together, baby. Like, I'm sorry. Like, no. No, I'm going to pull you along. No, I respect that because (laughs) this needs to be talked about. Like, uh, that is the main thing that needs to be done this offseason. It just, 
Okay, Jake De- or sorry, not Jake DeBrus. Tori Crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great defenseman, but he was more of an offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. Like he was a goal scorer. Like he was like Bobby Orr. Not saying he's as good as Bobby Orr, but he right. was an offensive defenseman who, you know, he was small, he's quick, he could score big goals. Like that's great. But the Bruins needed bigger guys, solid guys. So yeah, you have Carlo, McAvoy, Grizzly, whatever. And then they really said, you know what, Chara, you're old. Um, Even though you've been the captain for 15 years, we don't want you anymore. And we want to give the young guys a shot. Mm -hmm. You don't give the young guys a shot when you're trying to win the cup, especially when Chara wants to stay for league minimum. He would have taken league minimum pay Mm -hmm. just to stay in Boston. And they said, eh, you can go. You're a veteran captain of 15 years who played with a broken jaw. Make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. See, now I'm going off. Make it make sense. I'm like, no, the floor is yours. Because it to me, even as of right now, you're going to have Bruin fans that will chirp on Twitter. They'll say, but stop it. You need to move on. He's old. I'm sorry. Have you not been watching? And, like, do you not understand the value that he has? And then the other part of it is this. I love Bergeron. Bergeron is forever the heart and soul of the Boston Bruins franchise, period. But he's no Sedan Char in terms of leadership. There's a difference. In terms of leadership, I'm going to make this very clear. For Bruin That's fans, a hot take. For, for Bruin fans, thank you. For Bruin fans who are going to be listening and watching this podcast come Monday morning, I need you to understand there's a difference in terms of the caliber of player between Char and Bergeron, obviously, and then leadership between Char and Bergeron. Again, this is not a slap in the face of Patrice Bergeron, but the difference is that you got to remember, especially for the for the Bruin fans who all who all enough to remember this, when he came to Boston 15 years ago next month in, as a free agent, I remember him specifically asking to be the captain. He asked for the captaincy for a reason. Although the things didn't go well with the team, the first year, the 06-07 was an absolute freaking disaster. I mean, don't even get me started on that, but you can see the leader that he became and how important his leadership was to the Stanley Cup 10 years ago. You, The Bruins don't win the Stanley Cup without his leadership. Rumor had it that it was him in game three after that first period of the finals against Vancouver after Nathan, excuse me, after Nathan Horton got laid out by, by Aaron Rome. He stood up and said, we need to play like men. We need to get up, stand up, and play like men. And and you saw the difference that the Bruins came out in that second period of that game three. Leadership. The Bruins could have used that. They could have. They didn't have to put Chara as a top-tier defenseman because you made a point earlier about, Ch- about Chara and McAvoy. Even if, even if Chara came back, I would have said, listen, use him as a – Third pair of defensemen. Use him as a seventh pair of defensemen. And I get that Chara is a prideful man, but he understands. But he has to also understand that you you, you are you are getting older. You we still have a place for you on this team. And I wholeheartedly believe that Bruin fans are absolutely, and I mean absolutely, kings and queens of underappreciating players when you have them, and it makes me mad. Yes, I 
I couldn't have said it any better myself. Like, like you said, Chara did not have to be a top guy. I think he wanted to. I think the rumor was that he didn't want to be bumped down, but something could have been worked out. I mean, he's a reasonable guy. He's a good guy. He loves Boston. I'm pretty sure his family still lives in Boston. They, they do. Like, they live in North. End, yeah. 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 So it's his home, his family's still there. And it, I mean, I know it's a business and you can't always be sentimental about it, but mm-hmm. how do you do that to your captain of 15 years? Yeah. So, and you know, what also makes me laugh. You want to move forward with a young defenseman who's better to mentor them than Zidane Chara, the oldest no defenseman on the team. Mm-hmm. He could have been there just like Tuca is going to teach Swayman everything he has to know. Just like Bergeron brings pasta under his wing. You need Chara to sit there and say, this is how it is. I'll help you. I'll guide you. He would have been a great, even if he's just a good locker room presence, that could make all the difference. And he, like you said, he's a leader. So who better to leave the young guys on defense than him? And they just threw it out the window. I feel like he could have been a huge different difference maker this postseason yeah. because everyone's focus is on the defense right now. I mean, we got our secondary scoring. We have Richie, Hall, Smith. That second line's great. Obviously, the first line's great. So what do we need? We need defense. But we yeah. said, no, bye, Chara. But here's the thing. I think that third line needs a lot of work, which is why I, I'm of the belief that – the Boston Bruins, along after the, uh, the the after the blue line, that third line has got to be addressed. And Charlie Coyle scares me, and not in a good way because that contract is not going to be looking good in another year, especially if he has another year that he had, um, like this past season. And the part that concerns me is. We talk about the years. You talk about the the, the average uh, annual value value on that contract, and I see someone who I was clamoring for after twenty nineteen after the twenty nineteen final. We should sign him to a multi year contract, but this past season he absolutely struggled. He was a shell of himself, and and as well as Jake DeBrusque, we because we, we we're going to talk about Jake DeBrusque here. Jake DeBrusque has been. For me, a guy who has untapped potential, but it will never be realized here in Boston, not with this team. I don't think at this point he is a good fit for this team because the the reality is that, and I've said this for two years about DeBrusque, he's too hot and cold for my liking. When he gets going, oh, my God, he can score you like seven goals in like 13 games and so forth and like have like 15 points along those lines. But when he's cold, holy mackerel, this guy is like invisible. And he was invisible at times during this playoff series against the Islanders. And it's just like, where is the consistency? So my question to you is, how do you see the Jake DeBrus situation playing out this offseason if you're the Boston Bruins? Yes, I agree with you. I think he's the number one guy that everyone has their eyes on to get rid of. Um, I mean, he's faced a lot of criticism as well, but rightfully so. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you're on that third line, like, okay, we the Bruins finally got their top six, which is great. 
Mm-hmm. But now we're looking at the bottom six who is suddenly not doing what they're supposed to do. So you have to turn towards the one guy who's kind of the culprit of all of that. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of Anders Bjork. Um, he was kind of the same way like he he was a great bottom six guy but he was just never good enough so that's where Taylor Hall came in that's where that you know that trade came in so I think DeBrusque has to go Um, like you said I love him I think he's you know great guy he's had some great goals great moments but you kind of have to let that go for the better of the team and I don't know I mean, I don't know where he would go. I don't know where he'd be a good fit, really. But, or I don't know what his value would be because he's not doing great right now. Exactly. But yeah. I really think I don't like. I don't know who'd be willing to like jump to take him. But I think it's gonna start with DeBrusque and then kind of go from there. Like I think he's definitely gonna be the talking point this off season. You know, this off season, and this is gonna be a wild one for the NHL because. Remember how last summer there was talk about like, well, what's the salary cap going to look like? We know that it's going to be flat for for at least another couple of years. That that we know. So we know what's what. But in terms of the free agents, and then on top of that, the expansion draft. Welcome to the NHL's Seattle Kraken. Who would you like to take as your first pick? If you're the Bruins, of the guys that you may have available in terms of being exposed for the expansion draft, who are you looking to expose? And would you have DeBrus as your number one guy um, as well? I would say, um, I would say Connor Clifton. Um, I heard that he, just from like reading a couple articles and like speculation and stuff, I actually heard that he might be the number one guy to be, wow. um, to be taken. I mean, it's just kind of speculation, but yeah. he's not protected. And I think he's been pretty disappointing as well. I mean, he's super inconsistent. I feel like he's almost always on the ice for one of the goals like Grizzlick was this past series. Yeah. Um, he like, and you know, people always say cliffy hockey, they call it cliffy oh, hockey. God. Like you never know, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with him. And that's mm-hmm. like scary, especially when defense is a huge talking point right now. So yeah. um, I wouldn't even mention Jake DeBrusque as like a Seattle guy. I would say probably Connor Clifton would be the one that I would say, okay, they can have him. So, um, but yeah, what about you? Do you have a name that you'd like to see the Kraken snatch up? <laughs> Honestly, ooh. I mean, it, it would be tough, but um. But now that you're putting me on the spot, I guess I'm going to have to go with, uh, wow. I'm thinking one of two people. I'm thinking Carson Coleman as one. And then the other one, possibly, and I do mean possibly, um, Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie, I think, would be, I mean, yeah, he's going to be, um, a, 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 rest- a restricted free agent, but I think he would be someone who um, I think will be worth like exposing to the expansion draft um, and, and whatnot. But I do also wonder the following in terms of um, an earlier point that was discussed in terms of, in, t- in terms of, um, <laughs> in terms of last off season, when Chara and Krug were allowed to walk in free agency, if you were to assess the team now in terms of which defensemen do the Bruins 
miss the most, which defenseman between Chara and Crew would you have picked? For me personally, it's Chara because I feel like Krug, yeah, he, as you mentioned, he is an offensive defenseman, but you could also get that same offense from from Matt Grizzick when he's not an, a minus eight player um, as compared to like Krug and so forth. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I would have kept Chara um, 100%. And um, Krug, Krug just wanted a lot of money too, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I think he signed for six million was yeah. his annual. Yeah. If I'm remember, I'm just going off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the Bruins wanted to offer him that. So I think it was a money thing. And I get it. He's a young guy. He's kind of at like the peak of his career. Um, he, he feels like he deserves that and that's fine, but the mm-hmm. Bruins didn't want to give it to him. So I think Krug was more of like a money thing. Whereas Chara, you know, the guy is older let's face it and he didn't care about the money at all so it's like Krug I was I was pretty devastated I loved Krug I mean he he had that relationship with Pasternak too they were like best friends and it like broke my heart when that was that relationship Mm. was split up but again not to be sentimental because it doesn't matter but I was furious when they let Krug go because I was like this guy can score like he can hit he can do it all but now I realize it was definitely a blessing in disguise um, cause we had room to, you know, retain everyone else. And I really like McAvoy as the top guy. And I do like Grizzly, even though he's not perfect, but Charles literally said, guys, I will take peanuts to say, and like we said, the veteran presence, the skill, the experience, he's a big guy. He's, you know, he gets in the dirty areas. So I would have a hundred percent picked Char over Krug any day. I'm with you because again, as I mentioned earlier, like the leadership qualities, it's you can't replace that. Like Bergeron is an amazing leader himself, but I I do believe that there's a different element when you are when when you are a captain. And I know this is a team that's full of leaders from Marsha and the Berge to Krejci, you know, like that that leadership group and, and, and so forth. But Chara was that guy. He was the presence in that locker room and on the ice that everyone in the league knew that that's that is the guy that you have to answer to if you ever try to take a run at our at our top players now sticking along that same train of thought one of the problems that i've had with this team now for two years i'm praying that this doesn't lead to another rant this team is absolutely sackless this team doesn't have any balls. It didn't show it. Listen, they did. They showed me something else entirely in game six that made me so sick to my stomach that I think it's imperative that we need to have a talk about this because Don Twinney, I get that you were a general manager of the year, but I'm asking you for the love of all things that are good. Take a good look at the last two or three teams that have won the Stanley Cup. Capitals, they have an element of toughness on their team. Although Tom Wilson is a scumbag. 2019, the Blues literally gooned their way to a Stanley Cup, literally. So there's that. 2020, the Lightning, which right now, and and this is probably not a hot take, 
But right now they are a team that I look at and I say they are someone that has a combination of skill and sheer physicality. Like they can beat you either way. Oh, you want to play a physical game? No problem. We'll, we'll just punk you. I mean, there's a reason why they went out and they got, got someone like Patrick Maroon on, on a Stanley Cup champion with the 2019 Blues. And now 2021, the Blues are right now, they look like a team that is, they can't be stopped, period. So if you're the Boston Bruins, how imperative do you think it is that this team returns back to that blueprint? Because after all, look at how we won 10 years ago. We had guys who were physical. You had Lucic. You had Sean Thornton. You had Chris Kelly. Like you, you had guys that had no issue dropping the glove. And 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 if I'm rem- if I'm forgetting someone, then then forgive me. But the point is, you had guys that absolutely were respected and feared on the ice. They don't have that anymore. So what do you think that it's a fair assessment to say that the Bruins need to go back in in terms of revisiting the blueprint of what has made them so successful in the past? Because I feel like they've gotten away from that. Yes, I agree with you. One million percent. Um, You I mean, this seems like an obvious statement, but a championship team has it all, you know, the, the 2011 Bruins, they had four rolling lines, elite mm-hmm. goaltending, tough guys, goal scorers, young guys, veteran guys. It's literally, it was the perfect concoction. And that's how it is still. I mean, the Stanley Cup is arguably the hardest trophy to win in sports. Like mm-hmm. you'll hear so many people say that. And that's why, because you have to have that perfect roster. And like you said, in 2011, I was, I was going back through, they had Johnny Boychuk, Gregory Campbell, Chara, yes. Andrew Ference, Nathan Horton, Chris Kelly, Lucic, Adam McQuaid, Paye, Peverly, Recky. And those are like the tough guys, yeah. Sean Horton. Mm-hmm. Those are like the big guys. Like, and like you said, if you hit us, we're going to hit you back. That's how it was. And that's how it is. That's how it is with Tampa. That's how it was with the blues. Like, you were scared of them because not only were they going to score more than you, but they were going to mess you up. They would, they will drop the gloves with you. They will send you into the glass. Like, and I mean, not all of it was clean, let's be honest, but, (laughs) but they still did what they need to do. So, and you know, the Bruins literally used to be called the big bad Bruins and they are not that anymore. And I understand that the game is shying away from that. There's no more like Sean Thornton's really, there's no like major enforcers. I mean, like I know Vegas has Ryan Reeves and Mm -hmm. um, they, I feel like every team does have their guy. And I know that the game is becoming younger and faster and not as tough anymore as it used to be. But you still need those tough guys because it's such a physical sport. You are not going to like the Islanders. Even they were not afraid. Like they were very physical. They were, I think they out hit us in most of the games. Like when they showed how many hit totals there were. Yeah. And that's just pathetic. Like you are the boss in ruins. You do not let anyone throw you around. So Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing that needs to be addressed. And I don't know how Bruins fans would feel about this, but I think you actually were tweeting about it too. Um, I think that Seth Jones would be a good pickup. I yeah, I tweeted this out and there's and there was some someone was asking whether he was if he's a free agent or not. I'm like, listen, either way, get him on the roster. 
because th- this I believe is, so. Like because like I believe that he he's a franchise defenseman. You add yes. him to to like a a, a team like that like already has Char as his franchise defenseman. You got a pretty good um you got a pretty good one two punch right there. And then on top of that, like as you as you were pointing out about those guys on on twenty eleven like Johnny Boychuk and so forth, like you need those type of players in order to win. Like you 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 just can't win the cup just purely on finesse. Like this isn't like the the back to back years that that the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup where they had a ton of skill. Like they they, they have some great with guys like 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 Matt Cullen and and so forth and and as well as um. I believe Chris, I think Chris Fristig was on that team as well on, on, on those teams, or either one or, or two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you need grit. You need skill. You had to have a balance of that. And I feel like the Bruins don't have enough grit. I get that they brought in like Jared Tenori to be that guy, but really what the hell are we doing with Jared Tenori? He was a desperate waiver pickup. That's what he was. Like he was on his last legs with, with Nashville. He, he's brought here to do a job. He did it admirably. But he's not the guy that the Bruins need in order to um, to win. And I just feel like if the Bruins are going to get back to uh, bringing another Stanley Cup back to Boston before the guys um, get older, they have to return back to that blueprint somehow, some way. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I actually want to just ask your thoughts about yeah. Sweeney. Do you think that he should either be fired or be on the hot seat, depending on how the offseason goes? Or do you think that they should kind of hang on to him and give him another chance? Because I know a lot of people are already like, fire Sweeney. You know, you could put this in the next um, next article that you write, um, to, which, by the way, you can check out Kaylee's work on Causeway Crowd um, on, on that's the Bruins uh, fan-sided, um, fan-sided site. Um, I think Don, Don Sweeney needs to be put on the hot seat because this is my reason why. You think that you would learn from 2019 in terms of you need to be physical in order to win. The roster at times has been severely mis- mismanaged. And I'm going to give you actual examples. Like, listen, um, I just think that if you looked at this, at this roster, you go, going, let's go a couple of years ago. Okay. You made the big trade for Charlie Coyle. You trade away Ryan Donato in that, in that deal. I'll give you that. That and at the time when that the night of that deal when it happened, I blasted the Bruins and I said, "What the hell are you doing trading away your future winger for for a guy that has has had a very eh, okay career in Minnesota up until that point?" So I remember looking at this roster and I said, "You know what? The, what this team really needs is some umph." some physicality they, they needed guys that could you know step up and not not be afraid to be that quote-unquote guy to that throw down like you saw that with the islander series with matt martin for for, for example like you saw that uh with the capitals you don't need a, a tom wilson scumbag type but you need a guy that's that's not afraid to throw his size around and to me you don't have enough of that and i think that 
as much as we give credit for, for Don Tweeney for signing um, that David Pasternak to a team-friendly deal, and it's getting it's looking like it's more of a steal at this point for the price that he signed for, the reality is you don't have anyone to protect Pasternak. You don't have anyone to protect, like, the, the scorers on the team. Like, you look at Tampa Bay, for example. You know you, they got guys like Stamkos. Kucherov. They, they, listen, they have guys that compliment those guys that can protect them. Victor Hedman is a monster on the ice. Patrick Pat Maroon. Maroon. Pat Maroon. They have those guys. So I think that if if I'm the Bruins, I'm honestly taking a very long and hard look at Don Turner this offseason and say, we need you to really make some serious changes with this roster and, and be brutally honest. This is not a roster that's good enough to win a cup. If you are still hanging on to the hope that this team can win a cup, we need you to make moves, plural, that's going to shake up this roster. Will it be painful? Sure. But I think it's imperative that the Bruins take that step because at this point, what they have has not worked for them the last two years. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And what's funny is before the trade deadline, everyone was already saying fire Sweeney because we were relying on the first line, had no secondary scoring, but Mm -hmm. then he acquired Taylor Hall. But you can't really praise Don Sweeney for that. Taylor Hall would have done anything to get out of Buffalo, okay? Like Sweeney just had to make the call and say, hey, you want to join us for the rest of the season? And Taylor Hall was like, hell yeah. So everyone, like, yeah, it's it's awesome that we got Hall. I want him to re-sign. It, it, he's absolutely, like, I want his jersey. He's amazing. But you can't really give all the credit to Sweeney for that because people quickly went from fire Sweeney to, Oh my God, this guy's a God. We got Taylor Hall at such a steal, got rid of Bjork, you know, and then um, Curtis Lazar for, I think it was like a second pick and Anders Bjork. Yeah. And then he got Mike Riley too. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, that Taylor Hall thing was such a big deal, but again, like not that much effort or uh, knowledge went into acquiring that, you know, to making that trade or deal. So I don't know. I, I think that the Bruins do need a big change. Like you said, I mean, we had, we failed in 2019 and now we fail again. So it's been super frustrating, um, especially stemming from the 2015 draft, which is also very frustrating. Um, and I feel like it kind of just trickled. <laughs> oh God, I hit a nerve. I feel like it kind of just trickled from there and like it snowballed mm-hmm. um, ever since that 2015 draft. Um, and then, you know, the Bruins haven't won since. So it's like you said, if you're not winning, you have to change something. And sometimes it has to be drastic. Speaking of 2015, I tweeted a video yesterday on my Twitter. You can follow me at Shukri Writes. Kaylee, where could people fo- follow you? At Tukarask, number two, K-A-R-A-S-K. I tweeted out a video <laughs> yesterday, and I talked about the 2015 draft, and there was a few Bruin fans that were saying, you got to move on. You got to get over. Every team misses on, 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 misses on draft night. Are you ever kidding me? On three consecutive first-round picks. How do you miss on three consecutive first-round picks? How? Zach Sinishin, you don't know what he's turning, what he's going to become. That's number one. 
Jake DeBrusque. Bust! Bust! Let's call it for what it is. You sackless Bruin fans out there. He's a bust. And the fact that we're talking about getting rid of his ass tells me that he hasn't fully worked out here. So tell me. Jake DeBust. There you go. That's a new nickname. And there you have it. There you have it. There you have it. Jake DeBust. And as well as who else am I? I mentioned Zach Sinishin, Jake DeBrusque. And, uh, Jake Zaboral. Jake, uh, Zaboral, yeah. Zaboral. You whiffed on three consecutive picks when you had Brock Bozer, Thomas Shabbat. You had Sebastian Ajo. You also had Matthew Matt Barzal available in the draft, later in the draft. But some of you bro friends will say every 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 team misses Mrs. Valley in the draft. But they but, 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 but they drafted Charlie McAvoy. Like that's the only saving grace I'm giving Don Tweeney. But other than that, that draft is gonna haunt this team for the next 10 years. All of the all of all of what you need, you could have had if you drafted well. If you drafted well in 2015 in that draft. Call me nuts. You wouldn't be in this position. You may not. You may not even have had to have gone out and get Taylor Hall. Maybe he would have been a third, a third or fourth line winger just because you already have goal scores on sec on those second and third lines. So spare me the nonsense, Bruin fans. And admit it, Don Sweeney fucked up big time. And there's that. And we're still paying for it six years later. Still, yep. paying, still paying for names in, in every every simple way. I'm sure. I'm sure you've heard enough of me yelling and getting my anger out. No, I love the passion. I love it. Seriously. Like, oh God. Thank. Oh, thank you for that note. I'm just. You gotta let it out. This is like therapy. I mean, you're. Right? I'm, Kaylee, you're not my therapist. <laughs> like, no, but no, like, no, no. Like, but you gotta project. You gotta just. This is your podcast. It, 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 no, no, it. it. <laughs> this is all you. Yeah! Damn it, man! Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Yo, yo, you know what? Enough, enough. You know what? Okay. You want me to vent? I'll vent to you and the audience out there. They, they've been wondering how am I really feeling about the, this playoff loss and how this team completely fell apart against the New York Islanders. Well, let me tell you how I honestly feel. How I really feel. Tuka should not have played. I made that very clear at the beginning of this podcast. How I also feel is that this team didn't give a damn showing up in game six. Let's be honest. The only one who really showed up was Brad Marchand. And then as far as the second line, the third line, and the fourth line, they didn't do diddly squat in that game. And to me, for all you Charlie haters, well, he's old. Well, he's getting too old. He's a, 
Listen, he is not the same defenseman that he was when he was 30. You get older. You're going to lose some of that skill. That is bound to happen. But goodness sakes, will you bring it to yourself and admit that you could have used him? I'm not trying to blow out your eardrum, so I'm sorry. If you need to adjust your, your volume level, please do so. But goodness sakes, please, please stop. Stop lying to yourselves. Get a hold of reality. This team is not as good as you think it is in hopes that it could win the Stanley Cup, which is why I think Don Sweeney needs to actually get his head out of his ass and wake up and realize that this team is getting to a point. Now, when you hear God, I don't know if you if you caught this um, yesterday, Kaylee, but Brad Marchand came out and said, was it yesterday? No, it was, I think it was Thursday. But either way, he came out and said, we are getting a year older. How does that make you feel? And then, oh, by the way, here's the real kick to the, kick to the gonads. Patrice Bergeron, when asked about his contract, because by the way, a year from now, Bergeron's a free agent. Guess what his response was? You can find that response on CBSBoston.com. I'm taking my career year to year. How does that make you feel? Be honest. Does it make you feel scared? It should. This team is not getting any younger. How many times is Bruins management going to continue to completely give this team an adequate pieces to compete for a cup year in and year out? Which is why I tweeted out the other day that 2019 hurts even more because it was the path of least resistance and the cup was right there. And guess what? You didn't even choke in game seven. You didn't show up. That's what it was. That wasn't a choke. You didn't even show up. So therefore, time's ticking, Don Tweeney. Make things happen. Stop giving people breadcrumbs. We're asking for the whole damn pie. Stop it. Let's get real. Yes, I love that. You got me all fired up now. <laughs> I, I need to get it off my chest. You said it all. No, I, I, I don't even have anything to say. You, you nailed it. For real. I, I try. That's how I feel too. It's frustrating. No, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so mad. Like, I'm it's just... very frustrating. Seriously, oh. especially 2019. 2019. Mm-hmm hurt more than any other year. I don't care what yeah. anyone said. That was the year. year. Game seven in Boston. You score one, one damn goal. goal. Matt Grizzlick scored the only freaking goal. Matt Grizzlick. And it was in Just garbage time. And it, and it was in garbage time when the team was already up by three or four goals. In the third period. Nobody scored until the third period at a home game. And oh, by the with way, one Brad, of the best teams we've had. And oh, by the way, Brad Marshall with the ill-fated line change. <laughs> I'll know. I'll never forget. Yeah. I'll never. I'll never forgive him for that one. Oh no. They just went full dummy. 
and literally literally that that's that that's all there is anything you like to vent and get off your chest because this is your chance well my frustration is obviously 2019 not showing up after having such a great year um and then 2020 last year the bruins were the best team in the league they finished first place out of the entire league with a hundred points and then COVID happened. So they were not able to finish the season. So who knows? We could have, maybe we would have won the cup last year. I mean, we, we have no clue. We will never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, the season, you know, ended and then it was the whole weird playoffs bubble situation. So that like, if this, what I should say is if the season continued as normal, if it went through and COVID was non-existent, but we know we can't do anything about that. It's not the Bruins fault, but it's just that frustration I have that 2019 and 2020, we were pretty much the best team and nothing. And then 2021, you know, we seemingly, you know, we still have the core. We make some good trade deadline pickups with Hall and whatnot. And then we still, you choke in the second round, you breeze through the capitals, you know, no problem. Oh, this team, people were saying, Bruins are going to win the cup. This team's serious after five games, that five game series, you know, Mm -hmm. Capitals didn't even come close. And then you come out against the Islanders and look like you just roll over and died. So three years in a row, we've had this bullshit heartbreak because the team just doesn't have it. They don't have everything they need. So it's just constant history repeats itself over and over. We haven't seen happiness in a decade. Okay. And I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> um, it's been a whole decade. Mm-hmm. We live off the 2011 team. Well, guess what? That was 10 years ago. Okay. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody cares about like, yeah, we'll always hold that dear to our heart. It was one of the best years of our lives, but we yeah. want more. We're not satisfied with one championship every 10, 15, 20 years. I don't want to be 50 by the next time this team wins the cup. I don't want to be a Maple Leafs fan. Oh, so... <laughs> Try, I don't try want being, to suffer like them. <laughs> I mean, try being a Maple Leafs fan 54 years. I mean, this is actually even longer than the Rangers on um, Cub trial that ended in 94. I mean, yeah. good God. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. But how about the, the semifinals? Are you paying attention to the Stanley Cup semifinals at all? Um, Montreal, Vegas, Tampa Bay, Islanders. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I've been watching. I watched the uh, Knights and Avalanche game the other night. It was a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm honestly surprised the Avs didn't win it, but I have the Knights winning the cup in my bracket, so I'm kind of wow. happy. Um, so I pretty much got everything else wrong leading up to it, like all the other teams, but I have the Knights winning the cup, so I'll take it. But mm-hmm. um, I don't want the Islanders to win and I do not want Tampa to win. Unfortunately, one of them has to win this series. I think I would still root for the Islanders to win though, because if Tampa beats the Islanders, I think they could repeat. But if the Isles beat Tampa, I don't think there's any way they win the cup in the final. And I would love to see Islanders fans cry and Mm -hmm. and lose the Stanley cup. I, I would, I would take pure joy because they're fans are such assholes. Oh, I'm yes. sorry, but cheer. Oh, don't apologize. Don't be down. sorry. Yeah, you know, I'm not sorry. Okay. Fuck you guys for the cheering. Cheering when Carlo got hurt. Yeah. Cheering when Palmieri 
hit McAvoy and McAvoy's practically lifeless on the ground. And then mm. when he got up, they booed. Even Bruins fans, Boston fans, I'm not saying this is true, but people think Boston fans are such assholes. I don't think I've ever heard a Bruins crowd cheer when someone gets hurt or no. boo when they get up. They yeah. stand up and cheer. That's yeah. respect. You you don't do that in any sport. Like this isn't hockey, but when Dak Prescott got hurt last season, yeah. I'm a Giants fan, but I hate the Cowboys. But <laughs> let's just say yeah. when Dak Prescott got hurt, I was like heartbroken for him. I was not cheering. So Islanders fans, you cheer when people get injured. Screw you. I hope you mm. get swept in the final. And I'm still rooting for the Islanders to win this round because I also hate Tampa and I think they're dirty cheaters. So I wish both teams could lose, but I have to want one to win. So I say go Islanders for this round, but I hope you cry in the final and I hope you lose and I hope Vegas or whoever beats you. So I would even, I would even rather see Montreal win over Tampa or the Islanders right now. You know, it's crazy. I'm, and I'm making this very clear. I'm not rooting for Montreal, but I, but I actually do think Montreal could win the cup. I really do. I think so. Like, this is not about the team who – it's not about the best team that wins the cup, as, we, as we've seen. It's not always the best team that wins the Stanley Cup, especially you run into a hot goalie like, like Harry Price, like the way that he's been playing during these playoffs in a, in a playoff series that's, that's starting I up. I love Carey Price. Like, Carey Price is so due. And I've always had this belief that if Canada is going to have its first Stanley Cup champion – since 1993, it would have to be Montreal because Montreal was the last team to win the cup, um, the last Canadian um, NHL team to win the cup. And how befitting would it be this year if it were to happen? Like, I mean, after all, like in, in, in Quebec, um, they're talking about increasing capacity proud, a crowd at um, at, uh, sit, a center, a Bell Center. So that's going to be really interesting. Right now they're at twenty five hundred. They're talking about possibly increasing. And so I'm like, all right, let I mean, let let's do it. Like I want, I actually want to see that building full. Let's say if they were to get to the finals and they they advance past Vegas, I want to see that building at at least 70 percent, just to see how electric that is. I mean, you I mean you saw people literally dancing in the streets of Montreal when they when when they advanced um past Winnipeg in the second round. So. I think Montreal, if they were to get to the finals, would be huge for the league. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's not much of a rivalry between the Bruins and Islanders anymore because they haven't faced them in the playoffs in a little while. And there was nothing like that. I think it was like from maybe 2011 and 2014 is when the rivalry is super heated but it's kind of died down a bit so I you know they haven't been annoying me lately so I can root for them um <laughs> but yeah I think Carey Price deserves it I I mean he's one of the best goaltenders of this generation so if he could get it I'd be really happy for him and I also love Cole Caulfield mostly because he's an American guy yeah. and um and I don't know I would just kind of be happy for them and their fans I hate to say it, but their fans do deserve it. So I think it would be interesting to watch. They're a very likable team. So Tampa and the Islanders are not likable. So oh, gosh. <laughs> that you know it's bad I, when I a know. Bruins fan is saying Montreal is more likable than the Islanders are. Which is which is insane. It's like it's like pick between the four options of poison would you like to drink from? And it's like 
like the Habs, the damn Habs. Uh, but um, but on that note, I want to say thank you immensely for coming on this edition of the Sugar Rates Podcast. I feel like I've, I feel like I've got more to vent out, but it's gonna take a few days for me to really vent it out. But I want to take my sweet time to do that. But Kaylee Allard, Causeway Crowd, fellow contributor and Boston Bruins writer for the site. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Seriously, you were amazing. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is so much fun. And it was nice to just let our feelings out. And it's nice that we're on the same page of, you know, with a lot of things. And again, I'm really happy you joined Causeway Crowd. So I can't wait to read your articles. And yeah, you're awesome. I had so much fun. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. You got it.